Hello and welcome to Still Buffering, a cross-generational guide to the culture that made us. I am Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McElroy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. Well, um, I guess it is the spookiest time of the year, and I am I realize not that I'm launching directly into our topic, but I'm just prefacing with I realize I did not pick a very spooky topic. Um, depending on how you look at it, I guess. Uh, but I felt like I should at least acknowledge that at the top of the episode. That's all right. I mean, for I mean, some it, people, gnomes are very spooky. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe it's possible. Um, but it is it is a spooky time of the year. So are you are you all going to any parties or wearing any costumes? Um, I'm working a bunch. Uh, I'm having I'm working a party at my bar. That will be a, a spooky queer cocktail party. So there will be a bunch of sp- spooky gays. That's I'm sure they'll show up in costume. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it is it is gay Christmas, right? Yeah. 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 I think I'm going to be David Bowie. I think that's what I'm going to do for the party. That's very appropriate. Nice. I think yeah. that's a good fit for that for that party. I had to just ask myself, like, who do I think gay people will be most happy to be served a drink by? And I feel like that that's that's a good answer. I think so. Yeah. Riley? Um, Parties? Costumes? Well, I'm Are, going- are you going to dress up and just sit in your living room in a costume? I mean, I've done that before. Um, I'm going to a concert Friday night, um, and we're it's a Renee Rapp concert, who we talked about. Um, so my friends and I are all dressing Mean Girls um, as the Mean Girls. Because it's Halloween weekend, but also it's Renee Rap. Um, and Saturday, Which, I do have a party I'm going to, but I also do have a moot court competition the entire day of the party. So, which mean girl are you? I am the mean girl, the Regina, Regina. George. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> well, I'm the only one of my. I'm the only the mean girl. I'm the only one that's like blonde at all, and I know that Karen is also usually blonde, but it's not like you know. I don't know. I also just have more pink than anyone else. Did you did you have like a reaction to you didn't want to be the dumb one? No, honestly, I think <laughs> I I like especially the musical. Karen's like one of the best characters. She's got one of the best songs. That sexy song about Halloween. Mm-hmm. I love that song. Um, That's Cooper's favorite. Yeah, Charlie and Cooper listen to the musical all the time, and Cooper likes to be Karen. Yeah, only Charlie gets to sing every other part. <laughs> As long as Cooper gets to sing Karen. That makes sense. I don't know. But, yeah. that's uh, And Saturday I'm dressing as um, Barbie in The Princess and the Popper. Oh, yes. We also discussed on the show. Yeah. As, um, as princess. Well, you all didn't ask me. What about and I would you? Also like, oh, yeah, no, nobody asked me. <laughs> I would also like to note that because our listeners can't see me that my hair is red mm-hmm. and no one has noticed so far, <laughs> oh, but it I is. Mean, I noticed it's just, it's been that before. Yeah. That's why I didn't say anything. <laughs> well, I just re dyed it two days ago. Are you making a statement? Did you <laughs> no, it's my yeah. Halloween costume. That's why. Okay. All right. It, no, it's, Chucky. It, it's temporary. No, Justin Willow. and I. Are, Justin and I are going as uh, Aziraphale and Crowley. Oh, okay. So, yes, that is why. So well, I thought that suited us. 
I see that your hair is red and I acknowledge that. <laughs> I don't, just, I mean. You've had the, you've had like the bright pink and and then also the bright red before. I just, you know, mm-hmm. it didn't, mm-hmm. it didn't shock the, shock the conscience. Fair enough. It looks good. Also like, it's not like we're getting like a direct angle of your your, your hair here it's you're wearing headphones we got like an upshot going on like it's not it's also like I, close to the same color as those soundboards behind you yeah and, and my, the shirt yeah. yeah did you just think it like i had no hair it was blending in with everything it just doesn't stand out I'm yeah just, you know then sorry like it would against like a like a white background i really like these um these hair dyes that I, the, it is what my hairdresser used once, and I looked at the bottle, and I was like, this kind of hair dye works well. And But I was told it's for professional use only. Aha, uh-huh, but they let you buy it. <laughs> they don't ask you for a hairdresser card when you buy it. <laughs> now, could it go terribly wrong? Yes. No. Because <laughs> you're, not, you're not bleaching your hair. You're just coloring no. it, correct? Oh, yeah. I'm yeah, just coloring that- it. That can only bleach. Sometimes I think people should have to have some sort of like license to purchase, myself included, for the things I've done to my head with bleach. But you can only do so much damage with color. Well, and I, the way she explained it to me, the dyes that I was using that like you buy off the drugstore counter, um, or not counter shelf, they don't keep them behind the counter typically. Those dyes. The way she explained it is that they're like fabric dyes, essentially, that you're using on your hair. And so this is like a safer product to use for your hair. Yeah, well, and box dye often has some sort of like a chemical component to lift the hair slightly or something. Like you'll have something that will do damage, but you probably are just buying color, right? Like what's Mm -hmm. the brand? It's hold on. Oh, now see, you asked well, me too fast. You Let said me check you, my order you mentioned how much you like the brand. I assumed you knew it. No, I looked. Um, <laughs> I knew the color that she used initially was called Cleopatra. So I looked up professional hair dye called Cleopatra, <laughs> and then that's how I found it. Um, Pulp Riot. Right. So it's it's that's, that's just the brand color like yes and color this is doesn't pyro hair. my hair is now yeah. pyro 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 yes i got that and fireball and debated between the two and pyro was a darker richer red and fireball was an orangier red i don't know it's all on brown hair so it only does what it's what it can <laughs> yeah but that's a good crowley color i i went through the same debate when i i did a mm-hmm. crowley cosplay with a wig it's like you can go a little orange or you can go a little redder because his hair changes but it works i like the redder and i also decided just to do my hair one because then i got to dye it and i think it's fun to dye it and i knew it would wash out but two um i felt like i could go season one and just wear it kind of combed back from my face and down with just a little bit not curl but you know it's just got a little bit of texture to it like wave (laughs) and then i don't have to do much styling this was my plan well i admire the the dedication (laughs) to the costume well thank you 
Don't forget the face tattoo. Uh, I so I looked up like I, I thought for sure there was probably somewhere on like Etsy or somewhere I could buy those because I thought you, there's got to be fans who've made these and you, I could you can, but probably not that quickly. No, exactly. Exactly. Couldn't get them here in time. So uh, our friend Rissy makes things like that. She's like a cricket master and can makes all kinds of cool things all the time. So I texted a picture of it and I was like, Rissy, can you make this? And she like an hour later sent me back a photo of her hand with the ta- the exact tattoo on it and was like, is it this? And I was like, oh, my God. Yes. Gonna, she was like, I, was I got say, it. Yeah. You just get printable tattoo paper and print it out. That's not, I've done yeah. other characters' tattoos that mm-hmm. way. Yeah. I I wouldn't have known exactly how to do it. I figured there was a way, but Rissy's very crafty. And she like instantly, like within an hour, she had it made. I was like, you're incredible. So, um, so yeah, we're all ready. Exciting. Yeah. And I tried not to read too much into the fact that it was like after we watched the last episode of this season, we turned it off and Justin went, well, I think those should be our Halloween costumes. That seems like us. I was like, okay. <laughs> okay. And I said, and I'm assuming I'm, and he was like, the demon. And I was like, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. Um, Fair, I guess. This is the second costume that you guys have done that's just a couple of gay dudes, but, you know, not, that's fine. Yeah, no, I realize that. I, I figure we're going to continue this, like, if if you follow the TikTok logic, if... If we've been Ed and Steve, that's what I was going to say. Next, we've got, I've got to be Sherlock and he's got to be Watson has to be the next thing. And then I don't know. Are we Dr. House and Wilson after that? And uh, you've got a lot of Sherlock's to cycle through after that. We've got, yeah, we got a lot of Sherlock's to do, but if you believe TikTok, then you got to throw Loki and Mobius in there. But see, that's where I feel like it loses the, like, however much I agree that you, have like the black beard and the and the 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 uh crowley thing i can see like i don't know mm-hmm. do you see yourself as a loki i do not no Mm-mm. well that's mean it can't be your halloween costume yeah well i don't i i would not have gravitated towards that i mean i love that show i love that character i did not feel as i don't know like that i didn't see myself as much as i saw myself in a demon <laughs> So we'll just all. And then Justin apparently saw himself in an angel. Well, so we can just both go to our therapist and discuss what all that means. Um, on a more fun note, I should have added <laughs> that on actual Halloween, even though it's a Tuesday, that the original Magenta and Brad, so Patricia Quinn and Barry Boswick, are coming to D.C. to also be there for a shadow cast screening of Rocky. Um, oh, that's awesome. So I'm going to that on a Tuesday night. <laughs> but Halloween. That's all right. So. Trick, trick or treat is in Huntington. It's going to be on Halloween. Yeah. I mean, my class I have the next morning at 10 got moved to video only. So I'll, it'll be fine. I can I can do class do you, from bed. Do you have to have your camera on? No. Oh, good. It's like video only like. Like the video for the class is actually being recorded at this moment on Zoom, and then we just mm. have to watch it. So, oh, okay, it's great. Nice. Worked out perfectly. I have the very, very scary Tuesday of of 
anybody that works in a bar knows this, the last day of the month is inventory, mm. where you have to count every ounce of alcohol in the entire bar. Oh, my God. So and usually we do it at like midnight. And I was like, do you want me to do that at midnight on Halloween? I will. It's my job. And luckily, one of the other people that also have to do inventory was like, I'm not going to do it. I was like, oh, okay. So we'll come in bright and early the, the following day and, and do it yeah. at yeah. 8 a.m., which is a little better than late night. Very spooky, yeah, won't though. You be, won't you be crowded at that time, too? Uh, no, we, we closed. We closed fairly early. We're like a restaurant bar. So I could I could do it at like midnight. That's when I usually do it, and it's fine. But they're going to let me do it at like... It's going to be being up there at like 8 a.m., but that's better yeah. than doing it Halloween night. Yeah. Well, um, now the spookiest thing I can think of. <laughs> Gnomes. 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 So we're talking about David the Gnome. This was my idea, so you can blame me for it. Uh, or World of David the Gnome was the I mean I think it depends on where you watched it initially I guess the American version well not American it was Canadian but what we watched here in the states was the world of David the Gnome um it was apparently originally a Spanish show and I didn't know that and it was all dubbed in English um David El Nomo <laughs> and uh then a Canadian company dubbed it and what you guys are laughing at me <laughs> David El Nomo no I'm not even at that <laughs> That's what it was called, David, El Nomo. El Nomo. The World of David the Gnome is what it was called when a Canadian company re-released it with English dubbed, um, and uh, and that and with the voice of David the Gnome being Tom Bosley, who Justin said, "Do you know who does the voice for David the Gnome?" And I said, "Tom Bosley." He was like, "I'm impressed that you knew that." And I said, "Well, I mean, it was in the credits." He said, yeah, but I just didn't figure you'd know who Tom Bosley is. And I said, I do. He's the guy who did the voice of David the Gnome. <laughs> but I guess he was also the dad on Happy Days. Okay. Oh, I so, know that. there you go. Yeah. A lot of people know who Tom Bosley is, just not outside of the context of David the Gnome, just not me. Um, David the Gnome is a cartoon. It played back in the, uh, I mean, at least for those of us in the U.S., it would have been what in the 80s yeah late 80s um and early 90s which it was weird when i started looking at how old it was how little we must have been watching it like i think it started airing before you were born taylor i don't remember watching it often like it's one of those like hazy i bet i was five i don't i don't remember much of it it, uh, I did not remember the premise whatsoever. Like watching it now, I'm like, oh, he, this is like a doctor thing. It was the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. He was, uh, so the, the world of David the Gnome, like each episode introduces you to like a different sort of facet of gnome life, gnome culture. <laughs> like it's kind of like, there's one where he's like, here's how we make pottery. And then there's a story that unfolds afterwards. So like, each one is kind of teaching you because they're talking to you, the kids in the audience to start off with. I will say I had forgotten that the entire series started out with David the gnome in a bathtub, naked yeah. in a bathtub talking to you, mm-hmm. which is weird because he's a 399 year old. Oh, gnome <laughs> who's sitting in a bathtub naked talking to you, the child audience. Well, 
Yeah. <laughs> It's a it's a weird energy that it starts with. It I is feel a like. weird energy. Yeah. I mean, it's got that hippie energy that a lot of animation at that time had. Like there were a mm-hmm. lot of shows about like wizards and magical people. It's like everybody was really high when you made this, huh? <laughs> well, yeah. I think it definitely because it like so. David and and Lisa are your two main characters. They're an older gnome couple. They're three hundred ninety nine and gnomes. By the way, I don't know how much of it you guys were able to watch. I only watched a couple episodes, so I don't mm-hmm. expect a lot. But like. They only live 400 years. Oh, this is their <laughs> last year. There's a countdown happening. Yes. I don't know if I, I certainly didn't realize that as a kid. Is that how the show ended? They died? Yes. Oh. Oh. <laughs> yes. Not to spoilers. Uh, yes. That's <laughs> Dave and the gnome spoilers. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> There's a lot of wild stuff we could talk about as I was like, I watched a little bit of it and I was like, man, this is weirder than I remember. And then I started reading more about it. And just to jump into that. So gnome lore <laughs> is that gnomes only live 400 years. Always. I mean, I guess unless some sort of tragic accident takes their lives earlier. They, like, reference that there was one gnome who, like, beat the odds and lived to be 550, but that only happened one time ever. And all other gnomes have always died when they turn 400. And the last episode of the series, which I do not remember watching, and I had this moment of, like, maybe I should watch that then. And then I thought, no, that sounds really freaking sad. The last episode of the series are your two little, the this little older, elderly gnome couple who are adorable, like, hiking up to the top of this tall hill embracing each other and then dying and turning into trees that's that's heavy Mm -hmm. that's the last episode of this children's show (laughs) i know i mean you know kids are gonna learn about death one way or the other i guess that's one of the the better ways you could learn but all gnomes turn into trees. So part of the <laughs> rationale for gnomes being so protective of the forest. Like that's their freaking family. Like the trees were people. They were gnomes. Yeah. They were people. They were gnomes. And so they are very protective of the forest in part because those are their ancestors. Yeah, I noticed yeah. too there was a little bit of a I, when they were talking about the food that they eat, they were very specific to say like, "Oh, we we eat eggs, but only the eggs that the birds aren't going to hatch." So, a little bit of a a vegetarian situation going on there. <laughs> Some indoctrination. So, I okay. I think there's a there's even just watching the first episode, it struck me that first of all, it introduces you to the world of David the Gnome by contrasting what they call city life and then what it's like out in the forest. And the mm-hmm. pictures of city life are like actual, like real footage, not cart, not animated, not, you know, this isn't cartoon. They're just like stock photos, stock video of cities. And they're like crowded and noisy and there's lots of like smoke and pollution and cars honking, you know, and they're like, this is what it's like in the city. And they show these like beautiful, peaceful forests and they're like, but come with us to the better world. Where the forest is, where there's no humans, <laughs> there's just animals. Isn't this so much better? And then they introduce you to David the Gnome. And he's like, hey, humans, welcome. You must be really sensitive because you can see us and like most humans can't. But we know all about you guys. We know everything about humans. Um, because you come into our forest and shoot all our animals. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, the, the mention of 
guns right away kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. Like that's right off the bat. He's like, yeah, we know who you are. <laughs> and then he's like, and you cut down our trees and you pollute our, our land. But anyway, we wouldn't hurt a fly. He says that, yeah. that they're harmless right after referencing all the damage that humans do, which to me, I read that as like, is that a bit of a threat? <laughs> <laughs> they're going to take over. Well, I to me, it read a little bit like, I mean, it sounds like we should like beat the crap out of you guys, doesn't it? We wouldn't. No, but it said, sounds like we should, doesn't it? I didn't take it like that. I took it as <laughs> uh, while you all are very harmful, we are not. That's why we are different. But Sydney, the human, took it as a threat. <laughs> later, later, they make the point. They, they give Sydney you Sydney was weight. ready to punch a no. <laughs> They give you the weight and height of gnomes, which that part is weird, too. They're like, here's how much here's how many grams a gnome weighs, which it's like, I'm sure when I was five, I was like, oh, good. I needed that info. Um, they're six inches tall and they weigh 250 grams or whatever. And then they're like, but also they're seven times as strong as humans. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Compact. That's horrifying. Yeah. A, a gnome could throw you if they wanted to. Yes, it's six inches tall, but it could pick you up and throw you across the room. I six love that inches is too small. Gnomes, that's like a, garden gnomes, are not six inches. They're like at least like a foot, like a foot and a half. Yeah, but this this is canon. It is in the first episode. They are shown to be six inches tall. Yeah, I don't. I don't think garden gnomes are like body casts. I don't think they're. they're uh, they're, they're, they shed see gnomes shed their skin like locusts and so garden gnomes are just like the shed skins that, that we display in our gardens oh i didn't I think also that love, i just thought like love, when you hear gnome that's what you think yeah that's just an, that's just an effigy when they were going through the different types of gnomes and they taught they mentioned the garden gnome and the garden gnome was kind of fussy like excuse me like oh that one's gay <laughs> <laughs> Their depiction of the gnomes is not okay. Like, yeah, that that gnome is kind of gay. And then they're like, they what? have the Siberian gnome. Who's just scary. Who's just scary and whose eyes glow inexplicably. And that's like, well, it's kind of racist. I, I mean, mm. this show was made What are made we trying in, to say here? Well, it's, it's like a scary Russian gnome. But this was made in what? Like the 70s, I'm guessing? Yeah, 80s. But yeah. Uh, all right. I, I, okay. Still Cold War days. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, that that is. It was supposed to look like a scary Russian gnome. Um, and then there's a, there's something. Later, they talk about the nomadic gnomes who travel. And that's pretty rough, too, because they're very like they don't they look down on them like they're lesser gnomes. And it's mm. like, uh, OK, we see where like they're like travelers. They're Romani. Mm. They're yay. OK. You know. OK. So like some of that's in there. I don't know. That's man. That's and that's so like that hippie era of progressive mm -hmm. where it's like we really love the earth we're against pollution now we're, we've progressed to the point that we're anti-pollution but we're we're still just sort of openly hostile to different racial backgrounds and we don't understand why that's a problem that's a very distinct era of like the progressive movement it's <laughs> a very hippie thing mm. I'm not saying that's what hippies are like now, but there was a moment where hippies were like, love the earth. Not all the people on it. <laughs> but so I don't know. I think I took it as like 
they were just reminding us for a moment like gnomes could mess you up i'm not we wouldn't we wouldn't but we could i think that that they had got a lot of friends that could though mm-hmm. yeah foxes and mm-hmm. geese and they got a whole army at their disposal they do well i mean he he's doctor to all the animals I said I, that that whole plot I forgot completely. And I, is that what you like about this, Sid? Is this one of your? Is this one of the doctors that inspired you to be a doctor? <laughs> like I want to be like David think, the Gnome. I do think that was part of it. I, which I again, it's funny because the show had left this deep impression on me that was very like um, amorphous, this nebulous impression on my soul that I couldn't like pinpoint. Because if you had asked me to describe plots from David the Gnome prior to rewatching it, I wouldn't have been able to like. I don't know. They're those cute little gnome guys. And he was so kind. The David and the gnome was so kind. And I don't remember like much of what happened. But as I was rewatching, it hit me like, okay, this is part of it. Like, I loved the scenes when he would like pull a thorn out of an animal's paw or something. Um, There's one where some deer, like a deer gets a pine cone stuck in its throat. I remember that like, oh, this is so vivid. Like, okay, I remember this, this, you know, getting this pine cone out of this deer throat. So I do think that was probably part of it for me. It was like, he takes care of animals. He takes care of others. And he's like doing surgery. Like, I was surprised. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, he's going he's gonna to cut this this animal open. <laughs> like, oh, that's going to happen. <laughs> like, there's no blood, but there's an incision. Yeah. Yeah. He does He does whole surgery on things. Yeah. It's pretty yeah. wild. But I was, but there was a little bit of holistic medicine in there, though. Like, there's like, you know, some like, oh, I'm going to numb you with with acupuncture first. <laughs> like. So I think it's funny. I hadn't remembered that either, but you're right. I think that was part of the kind of hippie crunchy thing mm-hmm. is that like they, they're telling you all about like how beautiful the forest is and the environment and like, isn't it awful that humans destroy it? And so like, we're trying to get the kids to rebel against that. But then also they do throw in stuff like that. Like all we need is uh, some acupuncture. This is a, um, what does he say like a practice that dates back centuries and has been shown to do something and it's like are you just kind of like sneaking in there a little endorsement for acupuncture and then he's like and then when we're all done some lavender oil and that's what or something and i'm like now we're using essential oils so yeah i do think i do think some of that like hippie thing I, i think that was part of it is it, there's a fine line between like magical forest medicine and just oh no that's just that's just pseudoscience. That's, yeah, that's just stuff you made up. Yeah, yeah. No, I I think that that's part of it. Now, I mean, later on, like they do get more magic powers, or like they talk about their magic, like they have like telepathy. Yeah, I don't like that. <laughs> They also, they say a lot of the, in a lot of episodes that they'll always be watching you. Mm-hmm. Like the gnomes make that pretty clear. Yeah. That even if you don't see them, they always see you. Am I the only one who finds that upsetting? And they can pick you up and, you know, read your I, mind. I don't know. Say, what are you doing that you, you're worried about it? I just don't like the idea of being surveilled by tiny, but... But like tiny hulks, basically. That makes me feel safe. Well, but they're also kind of mad at you because you're a human. 
and humans destroy the world. Yeah, but like, I don't eat meat, so I got that working in my favor to not get busted up by a gnome. Um, I I take care of, I feed my birds, I take care of my cat. I think I think me and the and the gnomes, we got an understanding. They might keep an eye on me, and that's all right. If I get out of line, I know what's coming. But I think we're okay. I'm not worried. I don't know why you are. What are you doing that you're worried about? Are you dumping toxins in a creek? What are you doing? (laughs) Well, I just don't know how intense they're going to get. Like, obviously, I'm not, like, openly polluting. (laughs) I'm not. I'm not out there like I don't have like like, 80s era what pollution is just like dumping toxic bins into a creek. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Like I'm not doing that. Come at me gnomes. I I don't throw trash on the ground. Um, So like I'm not doing that. But like I mean I compost. I recycle. We have solar panels. Like I'm trying. But on the flip side I don't know what my carbon footprint is. And it probably could be smaller. I do drive a car. Like, maybe David the Gnome, by today's standards, would be like, that's not electric, Sydney. <laughs> I'm, I mean, I don't know. I guess that's something that, you know, you have to... It would be actually maybe at this day and age, like, we could use a Gnome uprising just to get the planet a little bit better, better, better right? position. I don't... I think that would be okay. Bunch of Gnomes come out of the woods, start throwing us around. Nothing else. They just throw us. Like, that's their whole defense mechanism is we can do this whenever we want stop polluting and throw you <laughs> global warming is real i'm gonna <laughs> throw you across your yard <laughs> how how did this air on american tv like, it's very clear based on all of this that it is not american made there's no way that there would have been an american cartoon that focused on like how humans are killing the planet and like I, right like it, it no, i know I it's mean, like captain planet yeah. yeah, but like... <sighs> no, there was yeah. a time period in the in the 80s where it was okay to be like, hey, we're killing the world. And then when we got past the point of, of no return, everyone just decided, never mind, don't bring that up. Oh. We can't it talk about true. it. <laughs> no, it was very... It was, I will say, like, even for kids, it was there was a trendy thing about being environmentally conscious for, like... I mean, a very short, and I would say into the early 90s in this country, there was this like. Like the peace um, frog stuff. Yes. Like, but it was all very surface. And I, and I do think it was that kind of like corporate thing where they're like, yeah, the problem is you're not cutting the rings from your soda cans fixed. The problem is you need to recycle your cans and then it's better. And because that. That sort of like M.O. of like thrust the responsibility onto individuals and distract from where the real problem is. I think that's when it started. Right. And so you send a bunch of these environmental messages to kids like you can change the world when the truth is like you as an individual. That's great. Do do everything you can. I'm not I mean, obviously I do. I'm not anti that stuff. But like that's not going to change the trajectory of climate change the way that regulating corporations would change the trajectory of climate change, right? Like forcing us all to buy electric cars through price measures and, you know, by regulating the companies that make the cars. Like that's how you fix it. Right. But it was very fashionable, I think, to be like, no, kids, you can fix it. (laughs) 
well, steal your mom's Aquanet and you'll fix it. <laughs> I mean, I think, yeah, like, I don't think there's anything wrong with promoting individual responsibility. And I, I wish, like, as, as I agree, like, as ineffective as it is, it's better than nothing, which is, I guess, where we are now. But, but it was a time period. I, I literally got clocked on this the other day because I had just filled up the soda fridge at work and I pulled all the rings off and I was standing there cutting them. And a customer looked at me and said, you were born before 1990. And I said, excuse me? <laughs> he said, you were born before 1990. You're cutting the rings. I was like, oh, yeah. I thought, is that like a generational thing? <laughs> that campaign to cut the rings of your soda cans has to have been one of the most effective. Because I have never I thrown look, away rings no. without cutting them. So Nev- Got to look out for the sea turtles. Yes. <laughs> like, I don't- never. Now, it didn't stop me from throwing away plastic or buying it in I the do first cut place. Rings. Yeah. I also have always done that, but my friends never did. And I guess that makes sense that I learned to do it from, you know, our mm-hmm. our shared household. Yeah. But everyone else born when I was, that was not not a campaign for us. Well, it's like we now scared you scared the crap out of you. Yeah. I mean, I guess the, the, the new generation's version of that is paper straws. But yeah, yeah. that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, or or you all like straws. those metal straws yeah. or glass straws. That's see now. I do have glass straws. That's uh, see. I felt like when they introduced metal straws and glass straws, I felt like it was a way of pushing people to stop using straws unless they had to. Like for everybody who doesn't have to use a straw, because some people have to for different mm-hmm. reasons, you know, for for accessibility, but like. For all of us who don't have to use straws, I felt like for me, a metal straw is scary. I was worried that like, what if I trip and fall? So metal straws (laughs) scare me. And glass straws similarly are slightly less scary, except what if I like, I don't know, I jerk suddenly and bite it and it shatters. I don't know. I find those straws scary. Paper, paper straws are fine. They're yeah, they're fine. I I will. That's the first time I've ever heard that. No, this is the second time I've heard of somebody being afraid of a metal straw. Because the other day I had somebody trying to pitch me on their like they have like retractable straws that they sell, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they were trying to pitch me on them. They're incredibly expensive and they don't make sense in a bar. But I sir, he ordered a drink for me first, and he's like, you know what I could do? I could bring this drip, drink to my table, fall over and trip, and it would go right into my trachea. And I was like, don't, don't do that, don't. Don't do that, please. He's like, no, no, that's why you need to buy my straws. I'm like, you just threatened me <laughs> with with your life. <laughs> there, there was a case there. There, well, and now you know. As I say this, this might be one of those apocryphal things that you hear about just to scare you, and it isn't real. But I'm pretty sure there was like one documented case of a kid falling while having a metal straw, and it like puncturing their palate. I, I mean, I absolutely believe that could happen. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I, I don't know. I mean. I know. I know this is silly. I know that that's very unlikely. And I know that the glass straws are safe, too. I if I'm going to use a straw, I'll use a paper straw, although I will admit that they do start to get a little. They just disintegrate <laughs> so fast. I know. I mean, this is why I don't like straws. I just don't like straws. I like the. There are a lot of straws now. And I mean, they are a little bit more expensive than your cheap. I mean, plastic is is it's like the Sheehan of straws. Like it, it's yeah. too cheap. It shouldn't be that cheap. But it's hard to convince the people that work, like, in the industry, like, their straws made literally from waste products. Like, they're made from the 
processes of like processing corn, processing agave, processing like just different things. So it's like, that's great. It's a sturdy product. It's like a fiber product. So mm-hmm. it stands up better than a paper straw, but it's completely biodegradable and it's made from a byproduct. That seems like the way forward. But um, instead, people are trying to make their money on weird, overpriced, retractable straws. <laughs> like Inspector Gadget straws. Like, no, just, just, just give me something affordable that I can throw away that won't kill the earth, please. Or a turtle. <laughs> right? Because I don't, I got that as a gift somewhere for something. Like it was in a bag of stuff, like a retractable straw in its own little case. Yeah. And, and it had like a, um, a, a thing to put on your keychain on it, mm-hmm. like a ring on it. And I was thinking like... I I feel like that's a choice you make if you are the kind of person to put your own personal straw on your keys and carry it with you at all times. Like, you must really prioritize having a straw at that point. And Mm -hmm. I am not a person who prioritizes having a straw. So I don't think this makes sense for my lifestyle personally. Yeah, like, I think I agree with you. Like, we could just do without it. But I mean, I I don't think like, you know, I. I'm saying this from the bartender perspective, like, I serve a lot of drinks that I don't want, I don't think anyone would want to stick their face in. Like, if you've got crushed ice in a drink, you can't Mm. stick your face in that, you need Mm -hmm. a straw. Like, that's, it's just, you know, if there's a way we can do it that's environmentally friendly, and there are a million ways, is the thing. (laughs) It's like, like lots of ways. Yeah. Also, like, like, what about, like, milkshakes? Can't just, can't just, yeah. I mean, I guess you could, like, spoon, spoon them, but... Now, then, then you're then you're admitting to yourself that in fact the milkshake is just slightly <laughs> liquidy ice cream. Yep. And nobody yeah, wants to admit that to themselves. Yep. <laughs> oh, it's a no, drink. It's, it's just a beverage. No, you're just drinking ice cream. That's yeah. what you're doing there. No one. I was wants, on- don't don't make people admit that. Yeah. <laughs> I was only thinking about that because I did go to a restaurant that had paper straws for their milkshakes, and it was just the worst. <laughs> worst experience because <laughs> it disintegrated like a hundred times faster than it does in like a regular we, beverage yeah we had these silicone straws for a while that the we got for the girls and they were like flexible but like sturdy enough that you could stick them in a drink and they worked you know mm-hmm. um and i guess that's very easy to clean i guess mm-hmm. i don't know they they seem to but i just after a while i'd rinse them out but they would use them for things like milkshakes so like all kinds of I don't know. I, I feel like after a while, is that still good to we still have them, but it makes me nervous to have something like that, that my kids put in their grubby little mouths and all of their drinks and I reuse and I, I'm rinsing it with hot water. I don't know. Do I need to? I, it just makes me nervous after a while. Surely this is getting gross. Surely at some point this is a gross thing. Yeah. I mean, we, we do metal <laughs> straws at my job and we've got to like get up and in there. And it's mm-hmm. it's a bit of a beast to have them be our straws. Uh, you it, should get the kinds. There are the silicone ones that you can literally open up. Like oh. they they twist tight, like air, like mm-hmm. they're watertight when they twist up. But you can uh, uh, peel them open and clean them out. And now that I would yeah, get, yeah, they're, they're not cost effective for us to use at the bar, but for you at your house, that that is a reusable, easy to clean. <laughs> Like Although, I will say, we kind of went there out of, we bought a box of paper straws, and we said, girls, this is what you're going to use if you need a straw. They almost never use a straw now. I mean, <laughs> They just, like, we weaned them off of straws. I, I do feel like that's, I, we had, at my last bar, we did paper straws, and that was kind of the, like, people that really need a straw, and sometimes they'll go through, like, three. Like, oh, this is mushy, can I get another one? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
That's fine. Have as many as you want. They're paper. They are biodegrading in front of us. It's fine. It's fine. (laughs) It's fine. We are not hurting Earth with this one. Yeah. No, turtle will just sniff this and it'll disappear. (laughs) What what kind of straw do we think David the gnome uses? Biodegradable. Mm, Yeah. He uses a reed. And this this is actually a thing out there in the industry. Like you can literally buy like reeds that are cut into straws, but that's Mm. what he uses. Yeah. That yeah, definitely something natural from the forest. Yeah, um, and he's going to give you a lecture on it. You know he is. <laughs> Have you? I was reading through. Where is this one synopsis? So I was reading through some of the other episodes because obviously I didn't have time to go back and watch. What was it like? Twenty some episodes total. Mm-hmm. That was of it. the of the show. His life um, was so short. I know, right? It's very sad. 26 episodes. That makes sense why they called it a miniseries. Everywhere I kept seeing it, it was like, it's a miniseries. I'm like, I thought it was just a TV series. Well, it was mini because it was just the last year of David the Gnome's life. That's what it was. Imagine pitching that to like Cartoon Network today. We're going to make a show. It's about a gnome in the last year of his life. Well, actually, I think that would fly at certain boards at Cartoon Network. <laughs> he his- dies at the end. He definitely, but it's, but it's, gonna it's die. heartbreaking and beautiful because he embraces his little wife and they die together in each other's arms. I mean, that's like, that actually, no, that sounds like a plot line from Adventure Time. So they would, they, yeah, that say, certain yeah. people would be down for it. <laughs> like an over the garden wall style, just yeah. like little mm-hmm. gnomes that die together. <laughs> Is, there was a spinoff. This is the launch pad for the David the Gnome reboot. Yeah. <laughs> there was a spinoff called The Wisdom of the Gnomes, which I don't ever remember watching. Um, but where is the one? It, I think when you talked about like how there was a time where like people were very into magic, I think that these, some of these sound like almost like D&D inspired mm-hmm. kind of adventures that mm-hmm. they would send these. Like here, there's this one, The Magic Knife. Which I'm going to go watch this one. But okay. So Lisa, that's David's wife. His Her sister Julie comes to visit and she brings along a copy of a scalpel. And when I say scalpel, I mean a knife. I'm, I'm talking about like a surgical knife. Um, Julie says the copy came from the Himalayas. David decides to journey there to find the original knife. When he is in the high mountains, he goes to see his human friend, Pondent du Rey. Pondent is a wizard, and with the help of his magic mirror, he tells David that the original knife is in the temple of Mekong, an abandoned structure in India. David and Swift, that's his fox, leave the Himalayas and go to the deep jungles of India. And once he enters the temple, he he finds out it's built on an active volcano. (laughs) I mean, like, how do you like this is one episode of this cartoon. It's guarded by a troll and an army of spiders. Holler the troll has the knife. And taunts David while the spiders chase him. And then he throws the scalpel into a spider's web. David gets it and sprays him with sneezing powder. And while he's sneezing uncontrollably, the volcano erupts. David escapes, but Holler the Troll is burned terribly. Oh, my God. That's a whole this is an episode campaign. of a children's show, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. To retrieve a magic scalpel? Oh, is it, is it, what, what's the point? Because I know he knows what scalpels are. I've watched him use one on a deer. <laughs> Uh, what was the thing with this one? <laughs> it was a magic one. What did it do? I, you know, I don't even know. Uh, I don't see. I need to watch the whole yeah. episode to get some more context. All I know is he needed this magic scalpel, and he went through a lot to get it. Yeah, they. I mean, it got intense at times. Uh, and I mean, the, like a lot of the episodes were like that, like really big adventures. Most of the time, it was David and Swift. Sometimes Lisa went. Sometimes Lisa saved him, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Like. 
because a lot of the time she was kind of depicted as like the homemaker and David got to have adventures while he was out doctoring all the animals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like there's there's two types of ways to make a kid's show. And I don't want to make it like a generational thing because I think that both types still exist today, but maybe the balance is swayed where it's like I'm making a show that I wish I could have watched when I was a kid versus I'm making a show that is made based on what I think kids need to see like mm-hmm. to educate them properly. And they're very different vibes. And this is definitely the first kind where it's like, this is the thing that I'm like, what what would I like to see as a kid? I want to see gnomes battling snakes and, and dragons and going on magical quests and doing weird stuff versus like, this is how we teach kids how to share. This is how we teach kids <laughs> that, you know, you have boundaries. And that's all good, too. Like, both things are fine. But it's it's a very strong differentiation. I think I think you could take this kind of format and like leaning into the magic and the fantasy and the adventure. Um, they also talk the gnomes talk directly to the audience, which is good for kids programming. But they talk to kids not like they're little kids. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're talking to them on a higher level, which is good. Like they, these are all good elements. And I think if you just make the environmental message a little more nuanced um a little more fitting for today's yeah you know, I, mean, I mean i think i really think there's some good stuff there for kids programming i don't know i watching it i was like well i mean i can't see charlie and cooper really loving it because the elements the the, the elements that aren't there for kids are kids like to see somebody that they can kind of put themselves in their shoes and i would imagine for most little kids it's hard to see yourself as a 399 year old <laughs> elderly man dwarf in the last year of his life no way i felt that way since i was five absolutely that's absolutely true <laughs> but like i you know i i th- i can see like eh, i don't know but th- there's a lot of other stuff that i mean it's beautiful to look at i think there were books too i think a lot of the like the the art is based on the illustrations from the books that these were the tv series was based on i don't know cooper would really dig the animals getting surgery yeah makes sense but anyway, thank you all for watching David the Gnome or David El Nomo. El Nomo. Uh, El Nomo. Oh, no. I, uh, I have to say I enjoyed it. I was a little uh, shocked that I loved it as much as I did when I was like five. Um, but I, I know I did. I know it left an impression on me. Yeah. So anyway, what is next, Tay? Well, uh, I do want to get a spooky thing. Not not that we haven't discussed the terror that gnomes in reality could be, <laughs> uh, but a spooky movie in before before we close out spooky season. Um, so I wanted to talk about Ginger Snaps. Perfect. All right. I meant to watch that all last year. Lady Werewolf so. movie. It's very yeah. good. Excited. So we'll watch it this year. All right. Well, thank you both, um, listeners. I found David the Gnome on YouTube. Mm-hmm. I don't know if yeah, that's it's anywhere. Yeah, um, but all of it's there. Yeah, like everything. You if you if you want to watch the last year of his life <laughs> to the conclusion, of his existence. <laughs> Jesus Christ, it's all there. If you want to watch a gnome die, yep, it's on YouTube. <laughs> slowly, but not slowly enough. Um, but thank you all. Um, go to Maximum Fun. Uh, check out maximumfun.org. There are lots of great shows there you'd enjoy. You can email us at stillbuffering at maximumfun.org. And thank you to the novellas for our theme song, Baby Change Mind. This has been your cross-generational guide to the culture that made us. I'm Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McRoy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. I am still buffering. And, and 
I am too. I didn't even get into the song. Let's see, that's in there. It's a great song. Mm-hmm. People say not to judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree. Which is why here on Just the Zoo of Us, we judge them by so much more. We rate animals out of 10 in the categories of effectiveness, ingenuity, and aesthetics, taking into consideration each animal's true strengths, like a pigeon's ability to tell a Monet from a Picasso or a polar bear's ability to play basketball. Guest experts like biologists, ecologists, and more join us to share their unique insight into the animal's world. Listen with friends and family of all ages on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get podcasts. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.